Welcome to Good Medicine Explained. I'm your host, Dr. James R. Brown. This is episode number eight of season two for the week of August the 8th, 2021. Greetings again to my regular listeners and to any new listeners to this podcast. It's been two months since my last podcast. Part of my long absence was due to my personal need to take a much-needed break away from one and a half years of continuous, intense COVID-19 pandemic work. Based on the morbidity and mortality reports that were coming out back in April, May, and early June of this year, it looked as if the U.S. was finally going to get the upper hand on managing this deadly virus. But, as it turned out, in July, we watched all our gains get wiped out as a huge portion of our citizens ignored the clear and overwhelming scientific evidence that the coronavirus vaccines were effective in saving lives. As of the time I'm recording this podcast, there's been a total of 616,000 Americans who have died from the coronavirus infection. In my home state of California, a total of 64,732 Californians have died from coronavirus infection. It's hard to find a person today who doesn't personally or indirectly know of someone who has fallen victim to this deadly virus infection. Thus, the other reason for my extended absence has to do with my personal disappointment and disillusionment with what the U.S. medical effort is really all about. Speaking for myself, as a physician who has dedicated my professional life to helping folks recover from injuries and illnesses and disease of all sorts, I now feel the exhausted firefighter being asked to risk my life to rescue someone who refused to heed the warnings to safely evacuate. I feel like the paramedic who comes to the scene of a high-speed car crash to find that no one was wearing seatbelts. I now know what it feels like to be an Afghani interpreter who risked their lives to help save American soldiers fight the Taliban, only to be left behind to fend for themselves as the American fighting forces leave you behind. What exactly does the American public want and expect from the medical professionals? Should we abandon the current health care system in favor of DIY medicine? Does the internet and social media and Dr. Google really treat and heal people better than we do today? I would argue that a major impediment to good, consistent medical care has to do with who is the authority providing information. Medical information and guidelines that vary 
and come from multiple sources, the CDC, NIH, the Surgeon General, Harvard Medical School, etc. They all have their own data sets and recommendations. Hospital systems and institutions within the same city can vary greatly on which standards they choose to abide by. Does a coronavirus know if you have medical insurance or not? Does the virus know the difference between a $10 bill versus a $100 bill or a credit card? Does it know or care where the state borders lie between California and Arizona? Does the virus know or care whether you are straight or LBGTQ? Does it know or care what your political preferences are? Does the virus know or care if you're an atheist or agnostic or have any religious affiliations? So why are we acting and responding to this virus as if it has any knowledge or concern about what artificial descriptors we have created? Viruses are genetically simple organisms. Viruses do not possess the capacity for independent replication. They have to replicate within a host cell, and they use or usurp the host cell machinery for its own survival. But what the virus has figured out is that humans, as a general rule, are selfish creatures. A significant portion of the American population is selfish, self-centered, greedy, and only interested in being number one. Hierarchies exist even within the same family unit. The virus is simply taking advantage of this human frailty. So, it is much more challenging to change the nature of the human species. But what we might be able to do, once enough people have suffered and died needlessly, is change the American health care system. Whether you are a Texan visiting family and friends in Illinois or Florida, or you're a diabetic who moves to another state, having an injury or catching an illness outside your designated community is weird. You are the same human in Puerto Rico as you are in New York. If you were stabbed with a knife, you will bleed just as easily in Idaho as you will if you get stabbed in Arkansas. An American having a heart attack or stroke in Massachusetts is just as serious as if it happens in Mississippi, but the outcomes will be significantly better if you happen to be in Massachusetts at the time. Is it feasible to place ourselves in different parts of the country depending on the particular physical ailment we might have or experience? What we really need and deserve is a health care system that serves all of the physical and mental health needs of its citizens. We need a health care system 
that has enough well-trained physicians, professionals, and others, and enough medical and mental health centers and hospital beds to serve the communities they reside in. We need and deserve a health care system that advertises and posts one price that everyone has to pay, insured or not. You have a kidney failure and you live on a fixed income. This month you live in Los Angeles. Next month you live in Provo, Utah. Why the difference in price? Are you still a U.S. citizen? Or did that change when you changed states? When you suffer from anxiety or depression, why is one medication that's been helping you for six months or longer no longer covered by the same insurance plan next month? The answer to my many questions and the frustrations I experience working within this very inefficient healthcare system is that we, as a nation of humans, are not willing to press the reset button for the 21st century. We are living on the same planet, revolving around the same sun, experiencing the same cosmic events. What difference does it make if you live on the third or fourth floor versus the penthouse when the foundation of the building is eroded and broken. There are 79 years left to this century. Don't you think we should be living in the present and not in the past century? Or maybe the social experiment of mixing culturally diverse people under a democratic form of government has peaked. Maybe the social experiment has sapped us of our common sense and rational thinking. If only we had the collective will to adapt and improve our way of living. Maybe the virus is smarter than we gave it credit for. Maybe we are witnessing nature's correction and the virus is now the superior life form of this planet. The take-home points that I want to make from this discussion include, number one, the increase in coronavirus infections is now a man-made problem. Number two, the current American culture and willfulness to selfishly exercise individual freedoms over community and country is enabling the virus to persist and mutate. Number three, science and intellectualism is taking a back seat to popular social and political influencers. And number four, America needs a modern healthcare system that is equitable to all its citizens. If this particular topic or any of the previous episodes have provoked questions for you, be reassured that I do regular Q&As on my Instagram account at jrbrownmd, where you may submit your questions there through direct messaging. However, I emphasize that I do not serve as a replacement or substitute 
for your own personal physicians, nor do I provide individualized consultations outside of my practice. As I regularly do, I'd like to take this opportunity to thank my podcast team, Lauren and Natalie, who really are responsible for making this podcast and all my social media possible. Until our next opportunity, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you be loved, and may you have a peaceful heart.